0: Thank you.
1: What's going on? What's Big up, baby? <laughs> How are you
0: I am living the dream. What a fancy office you got there. I love that.
1: Thank you, sir. What's uh what's new? Oh, you know, just been uh I got a train today. Um I'm probably gonna get a haircut, chill. We're getting ready for the bowl prep. So uh the last like three days, Wednesday. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, guys are off. Um we practiced a little bit on Wednesday, but they had the whole Wednesday afternoon off, so they left Wednesday and they're gone for the next 3 days and then uh Sunday we fly down to El Paso and start the bull prep man.
0: When 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 is that? Like when is the actual game?
1: Uh Friday the 29th, I believe.
0: Yeah. Okay. Friday so gotcha. So y'all are just down there for like a couple days.
1: Yeah. Um, not too long. I mean, it's like five days. I think we're the 24th is when we get there and then the bowl games on the 29th and then we leave the 30th. So it's kind of like four and a half, five days. Hey, Hey man, yeah. I mean,
0: that, that'll that be fun.
1: Uh, I yeah. honestly haven't
0: ever been to El Paso. So
1: yeah, it's a pretty cool spot. I mean, you know, it'll, it'll be fun. It'll be fun for sure. Uh, What's how you? do you Talk to me. <laughs>
0: it's, uh, new with me. Um, well, as of yesterday, I, just, I realized I'm eating like freaking 5,000 calories a day. Holy crap! Yeah, it's qu- it's quite a bit, <laughs> but um, yeah, On purpose? I've, yeah, yeah. We're, we've been, I started working with this coat, this new guy, uh, for my bodybuilding stuff, what like 19 weeks ago, 20 weeks yeah. ago, so like five months. Um, just just really a lot of a lot of the shit i was doing just wasn't really working on you you know me i i like to go pretty balls to the wall i'm pretty strict on shit so i'm just like either i'm fucked up or something else is going on but i hired i hired this guy because i was sitting at like 280 and i was just fat as shit and then like literally within like six eight weeks i dropped down to like 255 260 like super lean and then just been slowly building up from there and now i'm back to like 275 and i'm like I haven't really put on any fucking body fat at all. So
1: really what's your lean body mass out right now?
0: Um, honestly, we, we don't even, we don't even do that sort of stuff like tracking metrics like that. It's with, no, no, it's strictly based on, uh, like your biofeedback. So like how your digestion, your hunger is doing. And then like, trying to compare that with like your pictures and how you're doing with like your actual gym progressions and stuff so it's it's definitely more like subjective in in terms of looking at the overall big picture versus like looking at numbers and shit that that's the same way with like the actual meal plan too and everything like we don't really look at like macros or calories like i just did that yesterday just it's just cool to see a number sometimes but like You just get a meal plan and then it's just, you just mess around with the quantities of food, which obviously have like numbers associated with them, you know what I mean? Like calories and macros, but it's just like, you just mess with those up and down to get get that result too. So it's just a different way of kind of thinking about it and just kind of oversimplifying a lot of shit.
1: Yeah, for sure. So like, if you had to guess or put a number on it, how many grams of protein are you taking in
0: daily? Uh, based on what I looked at yesterday, um, it's, I think it's like 375. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's, it's quite a bit. I mean, when you do, yeah, I mean, when you do eight ounces of like meat five times a day and then what, three eggs and then like a freaking carton of egg whites daily, like that shit adds up and you're not even counting like trace proteins at that point, you know?
1: Yeah. hundred percent. Damn, I mean, most people struggle to get fucking a hundred grams of protein in their diet, you know. And you're getting mm-hmm. what did you just say? Two something? Two seventy something? Three seventy? <laughs> Three seventy something? Holy crap! I mean, that's phenomenal. Yeah, it's uh,
0: it's quite a bit right now, but
1: it, it's so going out pretty you easy. Most protein in the morning. What's that? When would you say you consume your most protein in the morning?
0: It no, honestly, it's spread out pretty evenly for the most yeah. part. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I would have I would have to look at that again. But I mean like it's it's literally eight ounces of meat per meal and then like my first meal's a little bit different. So that's like three eggs and then that egg white carton. So
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool, man. That's
0: <laughs> yeah, Dan, so we're we're just trying to get fucking big over here. I, I think he, he's trying. I he joked about getting me up to three hundred a while ago, but like with how things are going, I'm like, yeah, it might be 300 pounds at some point. How long have you been working with this guy already? Uh, like 19 weeks, I think. I think is like the actual amount of time because we like actually track that shit with our check-in yep. shit.
1: But yeah, no, like five months. Dang, dude, that's awesome. Yeah, so
0: things things are flying really well,
1: and the mustache looks great, dude.
0: So that that's the other thing too. I started working with Scott with this guy, and then I'm just like. You know, I need to change it up. So I just started to let this fucker go. Yeah. It's, it's bushy, dude. I'm, in, I'm happy with it.
1: How do you get it so bushy, dude? Mine, I literally will trim here just because it bugs me when it's on my upper lip.
0: Stop trimming it, dude. That's it. You just got to brush it to the side.
1: Yeah. I got to <laughs> mess with it. I don't know that the mustache is my type of go. I mean, I got a pretty good beard, but the mustache isn't really my my forte, you know?
0: Yeah, keep, keep rocking the beard, dude. I mean, it's, not a lot of people can grow a thick, fucking full beard like that. So, I mean, right.
1: my athletes ask me all the time, they go, Coach Roach, how do you grow that beard? And I always tell them, high testosterone, black coffee. That's <laughs> it. All you need to know. <laughs> All these guys that drink, uh, you know, like 14 pounds of creamer in their coffee, I'm like, you're messing it up.
0: You know, not, not to get super inappropriate right away, but I went and got my hair cut. Uh, back in Bozeman, one time, and I was just listening to this one guy, because some because he had this big old bushy beard too. And this this one dude, he was cutting his beard. He's like, so how'd you get that beard something so big?" And he's just like, "You stop trimming it, and you just eat as much vagina as you can, dude."
1: <laughs> that's one way to do it.
0: <laughs> like Jesus, dude.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So, but you're doing this podcast. You know, this is a pretty big deal. Um this is freaking awesome you're living the dream
0: i it's, i'm trying dude um like yeah i mean training's going well it's like the coaching business is going well people like the podcast for some reason i don't know why so i, I guess people like listening to me and other people just bullshit a lot of times so
1: seems to be going okay yeah well good man well tell me a little bit about like why you wanted to start this podcast what your goal was like was it mostly just to kind of get people on talking about strength and conditioning, or talk about training, talk about life? Like, what was your biggest goal?
0: Um. Well, M- Morgan really wanted me to start this just to have like, um, just just a place for me to like kind of talk about myself. Just because, I mean, as I don't want to call myself like a smaller coach, but I mean, like you you see these people with, like thousands or millions of followers, so it's just like just having a spot for me to be able to like talk about shit that I where I came from or like just other information that I know or how how I like to approach some of my other coaching topics myself and then also just give some some other coaches that don't have any sort of platform that that platform be able to do that so it's a herd mentality you know it's I don't know how much you've been following that but it's yeah it's some people get mad about that because like it's bad connotations you know but I almost think about it in the way that it's like I'm, I'm trying to bring other like-minded herd mentality people together that want that, that have, that have good coaching points, man. It's
1: true, Yeah. Rude. It well, and it's, you know, the herd mentality. I mean, it's a great, I love it. I think it's a great slogan. It's great. I uh, catch for sure. And I've been following you guys most, mostly on social media. So like your Instagram, when you'll post little snippets here. Um, I listen to a little bit of Jeff's. He is a funny guy. Um, so it's just, you know, it's good to see you out doing what you love. That's the biggest thing for me, you know, and seeing your progression just from, you know, a player at Montana State into a graduate, into, you know, an assistant intern strength coach with us that one year. And then, you know, progressing into your career and then really pulling your career into what you really want to do, which is what you're passionate about, which is the bodybuilding, which is the working out, which is the coaching. And not a lot of people are willing to kind of like, you know, they they get their degree and they feel like that's what I got to do. You know, that's what I spent all this money on, or that's what I spent my time on. And that's what I got to do. And for you to switch gears like that, I mean, I talk about it often with my athletes, You know, I talk about it a lot with a lot of people, you know, and I just try to tell them that like, it's never too late to switch gears. It's never too late to kind of like chase your dreams, and it's awesome to see a living example of it. You know what I mean?
0: Oh, thanks, man. I I really appreciate that shit. That's awesome.
1: <laughs> uh, well, Morgan.
0: Uh, it's, well, Morgan right now is fucking passed out still. Yeah. Her, her sleep. Her, I swear, dude. Like, if I don't wake her up, like, shit, she's gonna be passed out till like fucking ten, dude. Yeah. It's ridiculous.
1: Just so we can give your viewers some background, Morgan was a cheerleader at Montana State, and I was the cheer uh, strength coach at the time. And by that time, she was like a student assistant. Mm -hmm. And this girl, badass, because she, you know, I'm walking into a team that I've never worked before. I don't know any of the people's names. She comes in and she's like, yeah, I'll help you out with all the lifts. I'm like, that would be great. She's like taking attendance for me. She's like calling people if they're not there. You know, like I'm a GA and it's my first opportunity working with my own team. And I'm like, holy crap. Like if I didn't have this girl, like she's a badass. She's organizing everybody. She'd yell at them if they weren't listening. Like it was great to have that type of support from, you know, a student who's also, you know, a coach at the time. But it was awesome.
0: Now try marrying that. That's that's my daily, dude. (laughs) No choice. She's awesome. She, didn't, she is i mean i i could be biased a little bit but i, I think she's pretty cool
1: <laughs> yeah but sure.
0: no no she's doing pretty good um she so she was working this uh job with merrill lynch for a long time i don't know if you're familiar with that but it's it's it was like this private financing group with uh, bank of america like the side firm Fun. that they do so it's she went from basically doing that and she, they, they were basically just having her like sitting at a desk all day for like six yeah. years, just doing basically nothing, just like sending emails like three, four times a day. She's like, I'm going to blow my freaking brains out. Yeah. So she ended up going to get, getting this like nighttime waitressing job just, just to freaking go do something just because she was so bored out of her mind. Yeah. So she still does that a little bit. And I think she's got one more week of doing that before we, before we move. But just she's she's up till 2 a.m. a lot of nights. So I just like to give her shit.
1: Yeah. Well, what time is it there? Was it 9? 9,
0: 930? 9.22 if you want to get specific.
1: Yeah. She's trying to get her eight hours in. Leave her alone. Eh, she didn't work last night. So there, there's no excuse, right? <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's different. Yeah. I mean, it's 11 here. I've already put in like somewhat of a full day, you know. Cleaned my apartment. Everybody's gone out of the office today. So came in. You know, going to get a training session after this, and then that's pretty much it, bro. So, what what, what is your
0: training looking like right now? I, did, I was kind of asking Jeff, Jeff the same thing. Like, do you try and keep your trainings kind of like similar to what you're having your athletes do at the same time, or is that kind of just something where you have your own goal, or you just want to try something new?
1: Yeah, it's a little bit of everything you just said. You know, so some points of the year, not during the in season. So when football's in season. I don't do what the athletes do because the volume is just not what I'm looking for. It's actually when I train the hardest and the heaviest. So in October, I did Squattober, which is built by Sornex and all of them. You know, they kind of promote yeah. it. So I did Squattober, um, and that kind of led me into November. In November, I was pretty much doing um, like dynamic effort, upper body, lower body strength, and then a lower body dynamic effort upper body strength, you know, so I kind of switched those between my two days. And Mm -hmm. then my third day, it was just like a lot of different um, volume or hypertrophy work. Um, So I did that for a little while. And then right now, like, honestly, we've been so busy. So I've just been kind of like throwing training sessions together as I go. Um, But typically, I just work around, you know, different set and rep schemes that are pretty, pretty basic. I undulate my volume a lot for me, just Mm -hmm. so that I, constantly getting a new stimulus so like you know i hit clusters the other day for squat um you know i hit clusters the other day for bench and then like today i'll probably hit some dynamic effort cluster work and some like today's gonna be a heavy clean day for me and a little bit more dynamic effort upper body so i still love my olympic lifts and i still love my olympic training um and it's something that i work with my athletes on so it's something that i got to be pretty proficient at um so yeah that's kind of what my training looks like currently um i write a lot of my own programs so like with that you know you're like all right i wrote this thing but like do i really want to do it so like there's days when i like walk in and i'm like all right i'm gonna do it because i wrote it but at the same time like there's days that i'm like yeah i'm not gonna write that because i know i'm not gonna do that you know what i mean so like it's not as structured as like it used to be you know what i mean sure
0: is is there anything you love doing right now more than you have so in, like, the past?
1: Um, yeah. I mean, uh, I'm doing a lot of accommodating resistance training, and I'm doing a lot more Hatfield field variations with that. And I'm doing a lot more um, single-leg Hatfield field variations or single-leg work. So, like, I'm doing a lot more uh, volume training bilaterally, and I'm doing a little bit more strength training unilaterally as well. So like lower set and rep ranges for my unilateral work and just trying to get heavy on that. And then a lot of my bilateral work, I'm actually getting a little bit more volume in with those um, with through cluster sets or through different ranges. Um, But yeah, I mean, I play around with a lot of different things because like I'm my own guinea pig, you know, so like if I can work something with me that I really like and then integrate it or talk about it on how we're going to integrate it with athletes, that's usually the best, you know, It just kind of gives me a roadmap for. What I'm going to do with certain athletes, or it gives me a roadmap of like, hell no, I'll never do that with athletes because that's way too much volume. You know, like squat over is great, but like squat over is really for strength coaches. Like, it's not really, <laughs> not really one of those things that you're going to do with athletes where you're going to squat them, you know, five times consecutively, back squat them a week, sure. you know. But it yeah. is something that, like, as a strength coach, like it's fun to do because they undulate the volume, they add in different variations, so it's pretty fun. But it's definitely not something that, you know, I'm going to do with an athlete to get them prepared for their season or their sport or anything like that, you know? Oh, God. I I have not tried squat to react
0: just because I I just look at it. I'm like, my CNS, I feel like it's just going to be fucked up within like a week.
1: Yeah. I mean, basically the first week, once you get through the first week, you're like, okay, I can do it. But like that first week, it's they hammer you with volume, they hammer you with intensity, like. By the time you get to Thursday, you're so tired. But like, honestly, like I've never been bigger or stronger. I gained so much weight during squats over. I was like, all right, I need to start doing some running and conditioning and like actually get my body back because I've literally just been squatting and I'm starting to get like a little chubby. So I started started doing a little bit more conditioning sets and like playing basketball more. And, you know, now I'm like back to a better, you know, lean mass. But I was I was looking kind of like that big the big power lifter there for a second.
0: Oh, you're looking like a mini Jeff, so I got it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And Jeff would be like, you know, Jeff would sit here and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, your Little Caesars pizza, you put olive oil all on top of it, and that's how you get the gains. And I'm like, dude, there's so much fat in that Little Caesars pizza. Like, That is one way to gain weight, but that's not (laughs) the way I want to do it. I'd rather consume 375 grams of protein than eat, you know, a whole
0: Little (laughs) Caesars pizza. Oh, that man's diet is atrocious.
1: Yeah, and I don't know how he does it, too, because, like, it's not like he's fat. You know, like, he's big, but it's not like he's, like, got fat, because he trains all the time, so, like, he just consumes all those calories, and he's fine, but it's just, like, I don't understand how he does it.
0: He he has the white trash gene where you can just kind of fucking toss down whatever you want. It just doesn't matter where it goes.
1: Yeah, for sure. Oh, <laughs> uh, all right.
0: So, I mean, co- coaching wise, what what does that kind of look like since uh, MSU? Cause that, that's really the last time I saw you. It's been a hot second.
1: Yeah. So, I'll kind of give, you know, some of your some viewers or so whoever watches this some background on me. Um, it's I really actually, just my
0: dad. So, don't, don't worry about it.
1: Yeah. I started out as a high school teacher and football coach. Um, and I basically taught physical education. And I was a I was basically the strength coach for the high school. That's the easiest way to put it. Um, I taught weightlifting classes and I worked with our uh, sports PE. So, you know, that's where I started. I did one year of high school and I was like, man, public school systems is not really where I want to be. So I actually took an internship with Montana State University under Jeff Trimper, the guy that we keep mentioning who was in your last podcast, Mm -hmm. and uh, loved it there. You know, worked under Coach Wilcox. They hired me after um, the summer and fall there as their new graduate assistant. And I actually got the graduate assistant job that fall, um, but my program didn't start till that January. So from, I think it was like January 18th till May 2019, I was a graduate assistant. And then Jeff left for China, uh, January of 2019, I took on all his teams um, and I was... An interim assistant strength and conditioning coach at Montana State. When the hiring process started to hire for that position, uh a guy who is now their director of Olympic strength and conditioning there applied for the position. His name is John stowers He had you know thirty-something years of experience, and he was applying for the same position that I just had or applied for. And uh, Coach Wilcox looked at me and he goes, "I can't justify not hiring this guy. Like he's way too experienced and." You know, like he's really going to help our teams and, you know, I'll help you get a job anywhere that I can. And so I was like, all right, I'm out. So I uh, took a head strength and conditioning job at St. Norbert College, which was a D3 school in uh, De Wisconsin. And during my time there, I worked with like twenty five to twenty seven varsity teams. Basically, was the strength and conditioning coach for all the teams, um, and I had a blast at that school. It was a great opportunity for me to be a head strength and conditioning coach. Um, got to train a lot of different ways with a lot of different athletes, which was really great for my development as a strength coach. Um, from there, COVID happened twenty twenty, and they put me on furlough, and it was the summer, and I was like, well. Crap! What am I going to do? So I took an internship with the University of Iowa football program under uh, Coach Doyle at the time, and Coach Braithwaite and Coach Myers. And a week into my internship, uh, Chris Doyle got fired, <laughs> and so Chris Doyle got fired a week into my internship. So then we had a new head guy, Coach Braithwaite, who did a phenomenal job stepping in and keeping the culture the same and. You know, kept all of us interns on and kept us a good curriculum. And Coach Myers was a you know great resource for us. And so, you know, we learned a lot that summer, but it was kind of wild because of COVID going on. You had to train differently. Um, we had just lost the head strength coach. We had a new guy stepping in. So like the summer internship wasn't always what it looks like at the University of Iowa. But um, while I was there, I got an opportunity to learn a lot. Um, and got to make a really good connection. So I connected with uh, one of my colleagues, Coach Tony Fusco. And uh, Fusco at the time had just came from an internship at the University of Notre Dame. So mm-hmm. after the furlough was done, I went back to St. Norbert to be the head strength coach. Um, that winter, January, I guess I would make it January 21, uh, Coach Fusco got an assistant job at the University of Notre Dame. And that whole spring, he's calling me. Like, hey, bro, you got to come do an internship here. Like, it's going to be really good. Like, you're going to learn a lot. You know, we'll get to work together again. And I'm a head strength coach at this point, Alex. Hey. And uh, I'm like, I don't want to do an internship again. That's ridiculous. Right. Like, wh- who wants to do an internship with their head strength coach? And Fusco kept blowing up my phone. He's like, you want to do it. You want to do it. So I'm like, all right, well, let me just talk to my athletic director, see if I could even do this for a summer. So I talked to my athletic director and I'm like, hey, you know, from last year, like COVID, you know, you guys put me on furlough. Is there a way that I can do this internship, but you know, still be on staff, you know, so that I'm still getting paid um and I'm still working this out. And he goes, Well, you have a lot of vacation time saved up. Why don't you just use that? I'm like, Okay. So I use that for, you know, two months. So I had two months of vacation time and then I had to take like, you know, three or four weeks of unpaid uh, vacation. And I was like, okay, cool. So I took two or three weeks of unpaid vacation, did the internship at Notre Dame, um, uh, met with coach Matt Bayless and, uh, you know, got in contact with him. And as I'm on my way up to St. Norbert after the internship to continue, you know, my job, uh, he goes, Hey, you know, there's an opportunity down for you at um, Missouri Southern state university at D two school. And, uh, they need a head strength coach. And he's like, I think you would just be working with football and softball. And I'm like, that's it? Like, I only have to work with two teams? And he's like, yeah, and I think here's the money, and here's the details about it. And so I was like, yeah, tell him I'm interested for sure. So it was more money. I was working with less teams, and I had had my own weight room. So I'm like, this is a no-brainer. Like, I'm going to take this job. So I accepted the job at Missouri Southern State working for uh, Coach Bradley down there. And uh, I was there from August to December. And in December, Coach Brian Kelly left to go to LSU. And he brought Jake Flint and that LSU staff with him. And Coach Bayless called me. He's like, you want a job at Notre Dame? And so I talked to my head football coach. I go, hey, I just committed here. And he goes, stop. You're taking the job. <laughs> he goes, you're not going to stay, to stay here. And he goes, that's a great opportunity. Like, this is exactly what, you know, you've been looking for we love you here and we appreciate everything you did but like this is a good opportunity so been wow. here since been here since you know january 22 going on my uh finishing my second full year going on my third year and so it's been a great great time so yeah
0: that's awesome dude it, that's really cool to see see somebody like that like no nah, dude just fucking stop what you're doing you go take that shit
1: yeah i mean coach Bradley's a good guy and uh i loved working for him he's a players coach and you know, really down to earth. The best part about coach Bradley is, um, he wanted to know his guys were taken care of number one. And then number two, he let me do my job. You know, he gave me the autonomy to do my job and do my job at a high level. And I just really appreciated him for that. So, you know, it wasn't very long lived. It was from August to December. I was there for a few months and, you know, he's a guy that I'll, you know, definitely use as a resource and hang my hat on and, you know, I'll stand on the table for that guy. He's really great. He so I, f-
0: I forget where you grew up. So what was that somewhere in the Midwest?
1: No, actually, I grew up in Colorado. Yeah, Colorado. OK, yeah, I oh. grew up in Colorado. But when I, I went to school in the Midwest, so I went to school in a D3 school uh, in Iowa called Co College. Gotcha. So yeah. how there... Sorry, you? Yeah. Go ahead. I was just saying I played football there, got my undergraduate degree from there. So it's been uh, been a quite a ride. I've moved around a lot.
0: What position did you play? I don't think I've ever I asked was, you that. I was a
1: receiver. I was a slot receiver. Yeah. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, it makes <laughs> sense, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I was a D-lineman, Alex. <laughs>
0: hey, dude, you never know. You, 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 you can get fucking underneath those linemen, dude. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, so, so Colorado, you ended up going to school in the Midwest. How How did MSU kind of pop up on your radar then for the internship?
1: Yeah, so it was coming towards the end of the year, you know, and I was like, you know, I just don't know that I want to do this teaching thing anymore. You know, it was stressful. The kids were phenomenal. I loved my students. Um, But I was like, I don't know that I want to do this anymore. Um, So I just applied, you know, there were jobs posting up and uh, I think I saw it on the strength scoop or I saw it online somewhere. And I applied to it. And funny story, Alex, I actually applied to multiple. And uh, the University of Syracuse was another one. Um, yeah. So I actually got both the internships. I got the internship at Montana State and I got the internship at Syracuse. And... Jeff, really sweet talk to you, huh? Well, it's funny because that's the reason why I chose Montana State. You know, not to make his head too big or anything, but the minute that... Big, Yeah, I know. The minute that we started talking, I could tell that he was going to be invested as me as a strength coach. You know, he sent me books. He he was really committed to me. So he actually offered me the job at Montana State before Syracuse. And I said, yeah, let's do it. And then Syracuse offered me. And I was like, man, do I go back and do I you know, I told him I would do it. Do I stay to my word like it's an internship? Do you really want to like, you know? like, does it really matter if you go back on your word for an internship? And for me, it just came down to the relationships. I was going to have more exposure at a MSU. You know, I was going to be able to coach more. Jeff was really involved with my educational process. And, you know, at the end of the day, like Syracuse is a big name it, you can put it on a resume and it looks great. And, you know, everybody loves big names, but, the skill set that I got at Montana state being able to coach, being able to be, you know, in it right away. I mean, I I wouldn't change it for the world. And it's not to say that, that that I wouldn't have got that at Syracuse. Um, but I already know that they had eight interns that, that cycle that winter or that summer when I went there, you know, and I was like eight interns, like, you know, you're just at that point, you're just moving weights, you know, and at a smaller school, I was able to get more exposure and, you know, with this business, my, my thing is, um, coaching is always going to trump everything else. You know, it's going to trump programming. You can have a terrible program. Like you could write me a program, Alex, that's like the worst program in the world. But if I'm a really good coach, I'm going to find a way to make that program work. And we're going to get adaptations and it's going to apply to their sport. Mm
0: -hmm. But if
1: I give you the best program in the world, Right. It has got all the bells and whistles. It's proven scientifically to make all the greatest adaptations. It's gonna help with, you know, injury reduction, power development, sprinting. It's gonna make them the best athlete. But I have a shitty ass coach coaching that program, Mm -hmm. I'll take the shitty program every day of the week. Because good coaching is just gonna trump everything else. And it's gonna help with your culture, it's gonna help with your application. And so for me. I knew that I had to develop as a coach. I was already a teacher, number one, and I still view myself as a teacher first and educating first. Um, so from my standpoint, like I can teach people what they need to do. And then the coaching aspect, getting that side of it from, uh, coach Tremper, coach, uh, Wilcox, it was phenomenal, you know? So for me, I got exposed to coaching right away when I was there. Um, and it really helped me. You know, whereas Syracuse, I might not have got that exposure to being able to coach or being on the floor or commanding a room. You know, and those things are very, very important when you're talking about athletic development. You know, sometimes it's not about what you're saying; it's about how you're saying it. It's how you convey a message. So, to me, you know, the coaching in that aspect is number one overall.
0: How oh, so? Over over your over your coaching. Uh, I guess career so far. How, how do you think, like, your philosophy has kind of changed in terms of everything? Uh, how you coach or what you program?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, the number one thing that I think has changed from when I was younger or from probably when you knew me at Montana State is every athlete's very different, not just physiologically, but mentally, and how you approach them and how you get them to be successful in your program has to be different, you know, Mm -hmm. like I just said, like, it's not so much about what you're saying, it's about how you're saying it, or how you communicate it with an athlete. So that, I think, has come more just through experience and working with a lot of different athletes for me. Um, So, you know, I used to think like, no, everybody's going to do this, and I'm going to say it this way, and everybody's going to do it, and we're all robots, you know, and that, that just model doesn't work anymore you know, and everybody can be doing the same thing, but they might need different coaching cues, or they might need uh, different explanations, or maybe they just need to know that you freaking care about them, and they'll do whatever you ask, you know, and so that's probably been my different, my biggest different approach is I have very different relationships with all my athletes, you know, and I try to give them what they need to be successful, you know, and that's kind of I would say the biggest evolution of my coaching philosophy or my philosophy in general is that the relationships kind of trump everything else um, and that the way you speak to people has to be different based off of what they need and what's going to make them tick. You know what I mean? Like I could be, when I was coaching you, I could have been the biggest asshole to you and I would have gotten responses, right? But that same approach isn't going to work or didn't work with some of the teammates that you had at Montana State, you know, and it's sometimes hard for athletes to realize that. But it's like I still got him to do exactly what you did, but I did it with a different approach. And so that's probably the biggest thing that's evolved with my coaching philosophy, so to speak, or with my coaching um, over time. Do
0: does it? How, how do I want to say this? Let Let's say you have like an athlete that let's say just doesn't maybe just like disrespectful or just r- really not handling how, um, how you've been like trained to coach them. Right. I guess. Ha- how, how would you, how would you try approaching an individual like that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I don't handle that situation very well. Um, Simply from the fact that it's an app af- and I shouldn't say that I don't handle it well. I probably handle it well, but when they act like that in the moment, I address it immediately. It's something that's got to be addressed. Like I'm here coaching you. You're here to be coached. And that's a conversation that I have with all my athletes, even before they step in the room with me. Like, Mm -hmm. if you don't like being coached, you're not going to like me because I'm going to coach you, you know, and I'm going to coach you because I want what's best for you. And I want you to be successful. So I'm not going to coach you to be an asshole. I'm coaching you because I want you to be successful and be the best. So if an athlete is responding that way in the moment, it, it's pretty simple. I say, stop what you're doing. Do you hear what I'm saying? Like, maybe it's just a miscommunication. Do you hear what I'm saying? Like, stop, pause. Do you hear what I'm saying? Like, can you hear what I'm trying to do? Do you not understand? Is there a miscommunication there? Are you just being an asshole? Basically is what I'm trying to get out of. It, right. And then, okay, I'm just being an asshole. Then it's, okay, why are you being an asshole? Because I'm here for you, right? Like. I'm here to make you better. So if you don't want to get better, that's your fucking problem, right? But it's my job to make you better. So check your ego. Check yourself. If you're just pissed off at me, that's fine. But me coaching you isn't going to, or me, you getting mad at me coaching you isn't going to help you get better. So like, that's the conversation. And it's like, okay, you can't fucking handle that today. Like, that's not working for you. There's the door. Get out of the way. Let's try again tomorrow. And that's my
0: favorite part about Coach Roach, man. Like at, at MSU, there were a lot of dudes that just were like, what the fuck is up this guy's asshole? I'm like, I don't know what your guys' problem is. I love Roach, dude. It's a good coach. <laughs> so you just want to fucking help. You're you're there for us or them. You know what I'm saying? So that that's what I always appreciate, about, appreciate about you, man. Is that you're fucking there to help the individual out. You're not there to just be a dickhead to be a dickhead. I'm sure there's
1: coaches out there like that, you know, but for sure. And some coaches are out there and they, they do it for the show, right? Like they think that being a dickhead is the way that you're supposed to approach it. And if this coach sees me being a jerk, then, you know, he's going to respect me more and blah, blah, blah. You know, that ain't me. Like if a, if a coach doesn't like my approach again, that's on him. My approach is simple. It's all athlete based. It's all focusing on where the athletes are at and focusing on how I can maximize who they are from a personality standpoint, from a athletic standpoint, from a human being, man, being a man standpoint or woman, if I'm working with female sports, um, woman. Yeah. But for me, it's all about, uh, it's all about the athlete, you know? And, you know, like you just said, some people are probably like, Oh, what's up Roach's ass, you know? Um, I think I've done a better job in my evolution as a coach now that they truly understand my approach and where I'm coming from. You know, mm-hmm. where when I was younger, I used to just be, I used to just get on people to get on people. And, you know, I was like, man, why don't they understand that? I'm just trying to help them. Now it's, I think all my athletes understand, you know, there's uh there's a saying here that I said to all the athletes at Notre Dame and it's, uh, you know, who loves you, baby. And uh <laughs> Every single one of them, I think, can say honestly say that they know that I care and love about them um, as people first and athletes second. You know,
0: so I like that.
1: I really like that a lot. What's uh if you if
0: you had to pick a team to work with for the rest of your life? I mean, like football, softball, that sort of stuff. Not like Notre Dame or us. You know what I'm saying? If you had to, if you had to pick like one like caliber of team to work with what would it
1: be? Yeah, I mean it's tough because I work in football now and I love football. So I mean I feel like the easy answer is football. Um, but I don't want anybody to get it twisted. All the teams that I've worked with, I've had tremendous fun with and success at different times. Um so, you know, like my softball team at Missouri Southern State, I, I say this all the time. They were probably one of the best teams that I've worked with, just from a culture standpoint, buy-in standpoint. I'd say, Hey, go run through that wall. They would do it. You know what I mean? So like from that standpoint, they were great and their speed development, their training, they were just really bought in. Um, and so like, I still have, you know, respect and love for other sports. Um, and I still have had quite a fun experience working with other sports. Um, but football is probably the one that I would have to choose. I was a football player. I just enjoy the sport. there's so many nuances of training with Mm -hmm. football. That's just different than every other team. You know, like when I worked with track track is so regimented um, and it's like, okay, they're doing this. Now they're doing this. We're getting into a peaking block. All right. we got to make sure they're prepared for this. So from like a programming standpoint, track is very, very fun to train um, just because their annual plan and planning their programming is very diligent and it makes a lot of sense with Mm -hmm. football. You don't necessarily get that because there's so many aspects of football that they have to be good at. They have to be powerful. They have to be strong. They have to have muscular hypertrophy and strength, and they have to go run ridiculous amounts of volume on the field. You know, just looking at their GPS volume, they they run a lot. You know, and they do a lot of high speed yardage. And the things that you have to do from a training standpoint to get the football guys. Um, prepared for that is not as regimented and it's not as successful as, okay, track and field. Like you have to hit them in a lot of different areas at a lot of different times. And, you know, the time of year is very different too. And then it's like, okay, you know, also they're not, they're not lifters, they're football players. So what are we doing in the weight room that's going to help them with football? And, you know, they need to be conditioned for anaerobic training, glycolytic training, aerobic training. They need to have all these different modalities of training. And so it just, the puzzle piece of football is very, very interesting to me. And having make it all fit and having athletes be successful is is a lot of fun. How do you how do you handle?
0: Because I was talking to Jeff about the same thing. Because like, you' know, even when I was like, I I did a stint with a high school team in town, being their strength coach for a semester. I'm like, I don't know how the fuck these guys handled eighty to hundred kids at once, trying to coach them in the weight room, dude. So I'm yeah, like, so- how. how with football being so intricate like that how, how, how do you handle like the the vo- coaching the volume of guys all at the same time like that
1: yeah i mean we do it in smaller groups here um and typically that's how i've done it but you're right you have more kids and they're all very different and you have to find a way to make it work for me it's all about operation first okay so teaching and educating exactly how i want the weight room to look right? From transitioning from movements, transitioning to different areas of the weight room, how we come into the weight room, how we warm up, how we do explosive work. All of those things have to be taught from an operation standpoint, in my mind, because as soon as you get the operations down, everything runs smoothly. So once you get the operation of how you want the weight room to look and how you want it to operate, then you can throw anything at them because they know the structure and they know what's to be expected. And now I'm just adding different training modalities in that. But it all starts with the education of operations first for me. Like, here's how we're going to walk into the weight room, right? Like when we walk into this weight room, we're ready to go. I don't care if we're doing a foam roll exercise. I don't care if we're doing max effort squat. When we walk in, we're locked in, ready to go. You know what I mean? And then what does that look like? Like, it's easy to say that, But what does it look like? So coaching and teaching athletes, no, that's not what it looks like. Or yes, that's exactly what it looks like. And pointing out the good points as well as the bad points help you with that operations. So once you get operations down, you can work with large teams really, really well. So that would be the first point. The second point is when you're first working with a new team or big groups, keep it simple, stupid. You have to keep it simple. Kiss method. Like if you don't keep it simple, you're going to be doing a lot of crap that doesn't look very good. So you got to keep it smooth and keep it simple with movements, with progressions, regressions, and don't overthink it. Okay. Because I'd rather be really good at some basic stuff than be really average at some advanced stuff. And I'd be, you know... Remissed if I didn't say that I think a lot of people try to be really good at some average stuff rather than being great at the basics, great at the fundamentals, and then sprinkling in some advanced stuff as their teams are ready for it. So I mean, those two things, operations, keep it simple, stupid, and then be fluid, right? Be fluid with what's going to work with your team, your program, your culture, and what you're trying to accomplish. So if I can be fluid and change some things within the operations to make it run more effectively do it. Don't try to fit a square peg into a round hole. You know, don't have 15 bars laying out in your weight room, trying to get, you know, good quality work done. That's just unsafe and, you know, not smart. Don't have 15 bands hanging from a rack, you know, when you can utilize one band or you can change up the exercise and still get the same stimulus, you know, like do what's going to work for your players and your program and your team.
0: How, how many coaches work with football right now for you guys?
1: Uh, we have five strength and conditioning coaches here I right know, right? Yeah. God, dude. Yeah. So we have five full-time strength coaches and we all have a little bit different roles, different um, experience. Um, but yeah, we have five and I would say most power five uh, football schools will have five, you know, I've, I've still met some that only have three or only have, you know, three in a GA or only four, you know, so some schools, Still aren't on that five, but you can only have five by the NCAA rules. Oh, gotcha. So there is a max. There is a max, yeah. So that's true at Montana State too. Like, Even Uh if you're using coaches from the Olympic side or from the GA or whatever realm, you can have five coaches coaching at a time. So that's why like places like Syracuse, where I mentioned they have eight interns or 12 interns or whatever they have, only five people are allowed to be coaching on the floor right i say coaching because how you define coaching is different um so essentially everybody else is just helping with operations right helping with position weights changing racks cleanup setup maybe data collection you know whatever it may be um but five strength coaches is the limit per the ncaa rule gotcha well
0: yeah, shit, sure. dude. You you should start coaching down in Florida somewhere and then I can come intern for you finally.
1: Yeah. Well it was <laughs> awesome when you interned for me that one semester, it was a lot of fun. You were my uh, go
0: to guy. Dude, could you imagine if Jeff was still there
1: for that? I'm I'm still fucking mad at him. Yeah. That was one that was probably the funnest semester. Like we had you, Katie Lyon, um Ian or what was his name? Ian? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Ian. And uh, it was just fun. We just had so much fun. like Katie Lyon and uh, Ian basically ran the cheer list for me. Like they were just they were ready. And so I was like, okay, let's see what you guys got. Like I'll oversee this thing. But you guys write the programs. I'll operate the programs. We'll change it here and there. That was a really fun educational experience for me. And honestly, it's led me into like I'm the internship coordinator here at Notre Dame. Um, so it's led me into really love working with interns and realizing like, all right, if I can build up a really good intern curriculum and I can build up a really good uh, opportunity, it's really cool to kind of develop coaches and see where they can go. But it was fun.
0: That really sucks that you peaked right off the bat with me and it's just all kind of downhill from there. So I, I apologize for that. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, if you saw some of the interns that I work with now, you'd be like, all right, maybe I was a little unskilled. When coach Roach had me, because <laughs> I've had some good ones here, man, and we've sent them some I, good places. And
0: I can imagine. I, I bet you actually get some real coaches now instead of just my ass off the football field, just injured. The holy shit.
1: Yeah, one of the uh, one of the benefits of our internship program here is they're uh, per the university kind of rules, they're paid. Um, so they get a you know small stipend or small hourly pay. Um, so it really brings in a lot of really good people that are like, okay, this is the next step. Like I've done an internship at Georgia for free or at Iowa for free. And now I'm going to try to do a paid internship and it's kind of like the next step. Um, and so it's, it's great. We get a lot of really quality candidates and, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. We got three interns coming in this winter that I'm really excited about, um, you know, they're great kids. They have a lot of experience. Two of them have a ton of experience. The other one's got a lot of division one internship experience. So it it should be fun.
0: You see, they they get paid. I got paid in like bro science videos in Wilcox's office and taking Rocky to go get a haircut. That was my payment.
1: Hell yeah, that's good (laughs) pay. Hey, we fed you sometimes too. Come on. (laughs) How was Rocky doing? We gave you some strength gear. He's great, man. He's uh. Yeah, you know, just turned seven in October, and uh, is he still that young? young? I didn't realize he was still that young, dude. dude he was a pup when you got him. Was he was he really. Pup. He was like one or two years old. I think I got him in the. Uh, I got him in the winter of 2017. So yeah, damn. I okay. don't No, know. Got him in the winter of 2016. Excuse me, 2016, because he just okay. turned. seven. Yeah, we're coming up, Rocky and I, coming up on our seventh year anniversary. You know. <laughs> it's uh, it's the only person or the only living thing that I've been able to keep around that long. You know, dogs are foiled.
0: Uh I was gonna say, there's no Mrs. Roach yet, is there? No, no Mrs. Roach.
1: We'll see. One day, maybe.
0: Yeah, uh, the Mrs. Mrs. Roach is uh, we can leave her at. We need to get bigger first. It's all about it's the stuff.
1: I can't get anybody on board with you know they're like roach who wants to be a roach you know <laughs> like it sounds good like coach roach that rolls off your tongue but if they're not a coach they're like and eh, do i really want to be a roach do i want to change <laughs> oh do i want that life so we'll uh,
0: see what oh fuck that's funny um okay yeah so you got to go down to el paso so, so you, you really don't get any time to go home for christmas do you
1: No, we're actually leaving on the 24th. Yeah, so we leave Christmas Eve Uh and we spend Christmas down there. And, uh, you know, afterwards, I'll get to see some family and spend some time in Arizona. Um, That's where my mom's whole side of the family is from. So there's like nine generations of my family of Arizonians. They basically fucking founded that state. You're Um, telling me all the roaches are in a desert? No, the roaches are in New York. That's Uh where my dad's from. These are uh, the Wilsons and the Millers on my mom's
0: side. So gotcha. Yeah. Is there, all the
1: roaches are in New York and, and, uh, you know, this roach is trying to make sure that that last name means something. And, uh, a couple of the other roaches are doing a good job too, but, uh, you know, this one's really trying to make a mark.
0: (laughs) I love that. Um... but I
1: love the roach side of the family too. I mean, we got, I mean, my dad's a great person. He's, He's probably the one that's really motivated me and pushed me into, I shouldn't say push me. Um, he motivated me into strength and conditioning. So my parents were divorced growing up and when I would come visit my dad, we would work out, we would do pushups in the basement, you know, we would do pull-ups, uh, you know, one time we box, we would box, we train jujitsu, we would do some different things. So like that physical development, like that training, getting prepared for like my seasons back in Colorado, we're all like with my dad you know, and, uh, one day we were boxing and we're boxing and boxing and I was, I must've been like 14. And, uh, I'm like, you know what? Like, stop playing, like go, like, let's see what you got old man. Like challenging your dad, you know, at 14 (laughs) years old being stupid. And I'm like, stop playing around. Like actually punch me. And, uh, So he's like, okay. And so we're going a little bit. And I'm like, all right, I think I got him. Like, he's not doing anything. Like, I got this. Like, he's actually going now. And the next thing you know, bam, and I'm out. I'm laying on the ground. And all I remember seeing was white. And we did it in the backyard, too. Like, totally like lame. And I just remember seeing white. And then all of a sudden, I was like on the ground. And I'm looking around and I'm like, what just happened? And he goes, you told me to go hard. (laughs) <laughs> so he helped me up, and that was the last time that I ever told my dad to go hard on me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, I
1: mean, he, he's a black belt Brazilian jiu-jitsu too. So he's uh, oh,
0: you idiot! You fu- Okay, yeah, that's, yeah.
1: He <laughs> uh, he can tune me up at any point, you know. So, but that was the last time that I really challenged him. So now, like, if we roll or we do something, you know, I'm like, yeah, I just make sure to uh, make sure it's just sparring, you know, because he'll. <laughs> He can choke me out four different ways. And, you know, he's just a badass. So he's a master of jujitsu. And I'm just trying to be a master of strength and conditioning. But I I would say that's probably where my strength journey started was preparing and working out with him in the basement. And, you know, it was it was fun. He comes from that old uh, 80s model of trying to look like, uh, you know, Rocky and trying to do the Sylvester Stallone life. So his training was a little different, but, uh, you know, it was fun training with him as a kid
0: you yeah, you should challenge him to just some cluster sets of squats then Re- really get back at him
1: fucking A I don't know that his body would hold up anymore now but absolutely uh, you want to try some axial loading there old man good luck yeah wh- once you put a bar on your back i think uh i think at this point in his training career putting a bar on his back is done those days are done for him
0: that's <laughs> that's okay that's really cool though i it's that have your dad kind of be like the guy that's kind of really like started your journey and kind of put I don't want to say push you into that but kind of like led you down that path and that it's really just kind of evolved from there you know what I'm saying I think that's really cool
1: yeah it's been great you know and it's funny too because uh, you know the type of influence that again my parents were divorced my mom lived in Colorado dad lived in New York the type of influence that uh, a person can have from thousands of miles away is still still very impactful, you know. So when people are like when they downplay it like, oh, I don't know if I'm having an impact or I don't know if I'm doing this right. Just remember like your your influence stretch stretches a lot farther than you think. Um and it's a really great opportunity to reach a lot of people, you know. So Mm -hmm. don't ever downplay your impact on people. Like I think people are always impacting people in one way or another, positive or negative. So choose what way you want to impact people, you know.
0: You say that's called a social media influencer nowadays, Roach?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, he doesn't have much social media. He's a little bit old school. I'm not even uh, not even sure he has a Facebook you know, or anything <laughs> like that. So he's got a phone. He, he can text pretty well.
0: Oh, he's got one of those flip phones, huh?
1: Oh, did you see they have those again?
0: It's kind of dope. I'm about it. My sister-in-law has one. I'm like, this is the stupidest thing ever.
1: Like, well, why, right.
0: why would you have... Yeah, like you got two different, you got like two different or three different touch screens now. Like, why would you have a touchscreen on the top of it, too? It,
1: it just makes no sense. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny. I don't know. Like, it's the new technology. They're trying to find a new fad, you know? I mean, it's like the iPhone coming out every year saying, oh, we have the greatest iPhone. This is the greatest iPhone of all time. This is the greatest iPhone of all time. Like, what are you guys really changing? Is it really that special? My vote is that it, it brings back the nostalgia of the Razor with the convenience of actually still having smart.
0: History is just repeating itself. I it's just law,
1: But I don't want my text to turn green, so I will refrain. I mean, I'm at the point with all this, like, uh, these phones and technologies and GPS, like, if I ever have kids, they're getting one of those flip phones, and it's going to have three numbers programmed into it. Mom, dad, ambulance. That's it. <laughs> they ain't texting nobody or nothing. I didn't get a phone yeah. I, until I was Yeah. <laughs> like I'm all sure the kitchen. That's, that's what I'm doing. I'm like, no, the kids don't need phones.
0: No, dude. I I mean
1: I get I get maybe like an
0: iPad or something to like play a game like, on. No. But like no, who your your freaking six or eight year old doesn't need a fucking iPhone.
1: Oh, <laughs> like and they're like well what if they need to call me at school go to the principal's office call them like like back in the day like people called each other all the times you know what they used? a payphone. it works (laughs) like it's wild like people are like well i want to make sure they share my location i share their location so i always know where they are i'm like damn your kid is a fucking school's job dog (laughs) Oh, fuck. Like they're gonna have no problem solving, problem solving problems. They're just gonna Google everything.
0: Oh, God, dude. Yeah, I mean, it's just the amount of critical thinking nowadays is just zero. There's yeah.
1: an abhorrent amount of critical yeah. thinking. And it's, it's funny because, like, the spoon feeding of like information, you know, even just like hand holding, it's like, all right, let's set up a system where we're really allowing people to develop and learn, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But.
0: Yeah, it, I I think it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, with the whole COVID lockdown and the kids that we had in school during that time, how that plays out over time. You know what I'm saying? Or, or oh, even like sure. the, ki- the, ki- the kids in college that were getting degrees just based on a, like a pass-fail freaking online class. You know, like it's it's just not it's just not nearly the same.
1: Yeah, I mean, and now people are trying to learn more online now and do online courses. And I mean, I'm watching one of my buddies right now uh learning online and I'm just like, dude, there's no way I can learn that way. Like I'm way too social. I need to have conversation with it, banter back and forth. And these like posting boards are not that. Like it's like, you know, these posting boards are literally Fixed information and you have to cite everything within your post and how you respond. And I'm like, that's really tough to learn that way because there's no conversation back and forth. And so like, there has to be some practical application to some of it. So it's just kind of interesting, you know, all the online learning that's going on right now. But you're right. I mean, from a socio, you know, interaction standpoint or interaction standpoint with these kids from 2020 that really didn't get to be in school, like think about a five-year-old who didn't get to operate in the COVID years because they weren't allowed to go to school or they had to do it very differently. Like I can't imagine being a kid in school during that time and learning slash not learning how to even do school.
0: I it's, this will probably sound bad, but like to take like a dog that like, so we live out on a farm, right? You were a little, we're a little Corgi Mac. you like, he never really gets to gets to see like other dogs right and so right. you actually go take him around like other dogs or like to daycare he like spazzes or freaks the fuck out because like it's sh- it's just not like a normal thing that it he gets to experience
1: right. I'm, I'm like how how is that any fucking different oh 100% like you got to interact and you got to be in the environment to learn the environment you know and that's a that's a big part of it, being successful And in, in our culture in our society nowadays is like being able to integrate with different people being able to integrate with different cultures in order to be successful you know i mean that's a that's a big part of success in this country nowadays you know Mm -hmm. imagine imagine learning all your strength
0: strength coaching like all your information like you know like strength curves or everything you fucking know about coaching all online and then say okay go go teach all these kids how, how to work out
1: Oh, for sure. It's not even possible. Well, and now with AI, now with, you know, chat GBT, like, are these kids even doing any of the work? Like mm-hmm. all the research is right there. I mean, coding, everything like coding is probably one of the biggest jobs in America now, just being able to, you know, code on computers or whatever. But like, even that people are learning all the formulas by just chat GBT it, you know, they're not, they're not having to really like go through the grunt work of learning it. So like, if you don't go through that, like, do you really know it? You know, like, are you just searching it? And part of that is like, I'm using the resources to my advantage, but at some point you got to like put in the work and put in the groundwork to develop and get better.
0: How, how do you think, as I, I've seen this a couple of different places. How do you think this like AI and chat GPT stuff is going to affect like programming for, you know, for like strength coaches?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to really kind of bring everybody into doing the exact same thing, honestly, because people are going to be getting the information from all the same source Um, and whoever decides or whoever helps AI decide what the best program is scientifically or through articles or through, um, you know, studies, that's going to be the program that everybody's running. You know, it's going to somewhat try to universalize it, which is good and bad, um, because what's really going to differentiate people at that point? You know what I mean? What's really going to differentiate people from getting different training adaptations or different gains if everybody's doing the exact same, the exact same thing? You know, so it, it'll get it's themselves at that point. Right. Kind of
0: look at what you were saying before. You got to like have a shitty program and a good coach versus a good program. Good program. Right. Right. You know what I'm saying. Fuck it. I know mean. what you're saying.
1: Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, that's when, like I just said, coaching is going to be the the number one thing. It's going to be the, the top dog because everybody's running the same program. So how do I make it better? How do I make them move better? How do I get them to believe more? How do I get them to do a little bit of extra work? How do I get them to recover better? You know, like all of those areas are going to ultimately come down to coaching and buy it.
0: It's almost like it's almost like a Wally scenario, you know what I'm saying? Like Yeah. It's like it's like we're getting so smart to the point that we're just getting ourselves a lot fucking dumber.
1: For sure. That movie is so ahead of its time, but it's so spot on. You know, there are all those people walking around and are not walking around, riding around in their little wheelchair thing and they got the screens all in front of their face telling them everything and they're like, Ooh, I can customize this screen and I can do this. And before you know it, they're all fat and out of shape and they didn't even know they had a gym all the whole time you know
0: fuck that's gonna be me here in a couple months uh, when i get up to 300 pounds again dude holy shit
1: <laughs> I didn't bro even i can't here. wait to see you at 300 pounds again i'll still never forget the the first 300 pound transformation when you were 300 and you're like all right i'm done playing football i'm gonna cut weight and you get on the vertical diet program and you get down to like i don't even know what it was like 240 you were like three something and then you're all of a sudden 240 like it felt like Two weeks later. Morgan says two
0: twenty five, but who's keeping track?
1: Yeah. It was fast, but it's, <laughs> uh and all of a sudden I was like, I was like, damn, you look good, bro. And you're like, Yeah, now I'm gonna really lean out and start building my muscle back up. And then you're like, Hey, the NCAA might grant me another year. What do I do? <laughs> and I'm like, All right, you gotta start eating. <laughs> Let's get that calorie intake back up. And you're gonna start training. And I remember we were putting you on like super high tempo workouts and you know, a bunch of rate of force development stuff, but it was mostly the tempo work We're like, we got to build this kid back up. So then you go from, like, what did you say, 225 to, like, 250 very quickly, and then they didn't grant you your eligibility, and you're like, okay, I can stop.
0: <laughs> oh, fuck, dude. That, so, dude, it's it didn't even stop from there. So, like, I, I've been doing this shit for so long. So, like, li- literally, let's, like, timeline this shit out. I literally, it was at 280 down to 225. NCAA comes in, okay. Now I'm back to like 260, 270. NCAA says, fuck you. I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. Graduate. Now I'm back down to like 220. I, I moved to Billings. With Morgan's best friend's dad owns this gym in town. He's like, hey, dude, you should think about bodybuilding. I'm like, okay, fine, fucking whatever. Next thing you know, it's like COVID and shit. I'm fucking 330 30. That was 3 at our wedding, dude
1: the
0: him uh both of them thank you sorry yeah, we've only been married three times it, it's a whole thing <laughs> wait did she say both of them so was, we like to tell people we've been married three times cuz it really fucking freaks people out they're like oh ha ha, that's funny but it's like so we had our we had our wedding that was canceled and so we ended up doing like a small ceremony for ourselves so yeah. that was our like actual wedding and then we did um, like our party, and like did basically just re- redid our wedding like a couple months yeah. later for all the family. So we count that as our second wedding. And then we went to church like a couple months later, and they fucking they did a vow renewal for all the couples that were in there. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I've been married three times this year. <laughs> so we tell everybody we've been married three times. Like, dude, the looks I get are fucking ridiculous.
1: The world of COVID, it messed everybody up, you know yeah but the three times funny i knew that you guys had like your wedding canceled and then you know you inv- you guys invited me to the the bigger party ceremony thing and you know i was halfway across the country so
0: yeah but yeah that's dude, funny yeah don't, don't even worry about that I, I was honestly just happy to fucking see other people you know what i'm saying
1: yeah yeah so anyway you were 330 at this third wedding
0: 330 and then i'm like fuck dude what what the fuck just happened and then I just thought it's what? Oh, that's right. Okay. So then at, at right before one year anniversary, I decided to like actually get a little bit more serious into like the bodybuilding stuff. Instead of just randomly listening to this guy at the gym, he's tried losing a bunch of weight. got stuck at like 275, 280. I'm like, what the fuck? I was barely eating any food a day. Then this, went on our honeymoon and then i hired this other guy he got me he got me into this like eight week prep for a bodybuilding show don't ever fucking do that that's not enough time i did not look fucking good but like basically i was doing no food strictly protein i could barely maintain my weight at 900 calories at like 260 pounds 900 calories it was dude i felt like shit he wanted he had me doing this like German volume training program on top of it, like the most absurd like, volume 900 calories, dude. That's dangerous. Yeah, it's safe to say, Morgan did not like me at this time.
1: That was your your highest uh peak of stress in the marriage, was then, dude.
0: Truly, truly, like uh, th- this coach for like eight weeks of coaching at a time wanted like I don't know, I think what was it, like two grand. Some, something outrageous. He was basically just fucking killing me. Yeah. So okay, 260 pounds, eating 900 calories a day. I'm like, what the fuck? This is not. This is not supposed to happen.
1: Yeah.
0: Hire hire this other coach, you know, who I used for two years. He he kind of got me back on track, but we we went up like 280. It was fat as shit again. Back down to like 240, like 260, 280. Got around that area, and then that's where I hired this guy. Where I'm now, like two seventy-five, and like fucking doing really well.
1: Yeah. So, so, is this the weight that you
0: feel the best at? Oh, dude, I, it's. I don't. I don't know what it is about like sitting at this weight, but it's. I just kind of. I can't seem to like grow out of it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I just keep kind of recomping, essentially. Just what it is.
1: Yeah. I mean, it looks good on you. It's a good weight. Seems to be doing all
0: right. So we'll, we'll see what Look happens. Yeah, but basically, I I keep eating all this food, dude. So like the other night, so I get like one free meal a week. Yeah, I had eight sushi rolls, an entire box of frosted rice krispies, and it, in these, in these five um, Morgan's Morgan's baking is absolutely ridiculous. So she's been baking me like all this pumpkin shit during the holidays. Yeah, even with oh. all my clothes on. I still weighed less than I did a week before. It's like the more food, the more food I eat, the more the more weight I keep dropping.
1: Dang, that must and, be a problem to have. And
0: it's it's pretty cool because I keep like leaning out and keep getting bigger, but I just keep eating yeah. a ton of food. It's just weird. Yeah. That's so when you think when you think about like me at two sixty like a couple of years ago, stuck at like just eating protein versus like. Five thousand calories right now yeah like 10 pounds heavier it's ridiculous yeah that's so,
1: crazy though, bro
0: so it, just a lot a lot of fucking work has gone into it I, I think i think that's the big thing a lot of people miss along like yeah. the year stuff but
1: i mean how um, are those like those body transformations were those good experiences for you or was it like some of them i'm like I'll never. I wish I never did or never had to go through.
0: Oh, uh, that's a that's a fucking good one. Um, and in terms of uh, when I look at my first show shots, like those pictures, yeah, I, I honestly hate those more than anything in the fucking world because I really, just, dude, yeah, just with how shitty I felt, how how much it like damaged my relationship with Morgan at the time. And honestly, well, just, just how much effort I had put into things and how shitty I still looked overall compared to like other bodybuilders, you know, cause I, cause yeah. I take this shit pretty seriously. I just, I just hate those shots. Yeah. So, so for me to compare those to what I even look like right now, it's like, I'm, re- I'm really happy about that. Good. It's really? Sa- it's really satisfying to see what, how just how shitty I felt, that like really just a relationship at the time compared to like right now. It's, it's yeah. just even night and day, and even, that's not even counting like how I look, too. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's awesome, man. Well, so, everything happens for a reason, right? You, yeah, she,
0: you gotta live and learn, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, well, hopefully, she still hangs out with me after all that. that that's the big thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's a lot a lot of people I think in, within bodybuilding, like they have this pre, preconceived notion on, like, oh, I'll just go and do this show and I'll be I'll be really happy. It'll be like a cool transformation. Like I th- I think that was really cool for me at the time coming from where I was, you know, just like super fat offensive lineman. Yeah, cool. I have abs for the first time. This is cool. I can yeah. actually I can see a vein in my shoulder. Like, great, cool. Right. But then Just being the competitive fucking nut job that I am, after going through that experience, it just it just wasn't enough. Yeah, okay, I need to be a lot better than that shit. That's awesome, man. Well, it's working. Well, we'll keep trying. I'm I'm hoping when let's not hoping it it's it's going to work out really well when when we move down to Florida and like you know culture and everything. That's a big thing with like building building good cultures in your weight room and football yeah. and everything being being around culture of like just hard ass fucking motherfuckers and other IFBB pros, man, like that, that's going to do a lot. I think in terms of my training, that, sure. that's, that's the big thing with being in Montana for me personally. It's like pe- people think I'm like this fucking, I know everything like yeah. you know, I've been doing this full time for a year yeah (laughs) it's like i i am not some like mega pro coach that no knows fucking how to do all this shit i'm like dude i need to go somewhere and learn and be around other other people that know how to do this shit
1: for sure i've been uh, iron sharpens iron man like if you're the smartest one in the room get the fuck out of that room you know what i mean get into a room where there's people smarter than you in some area you know what i mean and i mean that's that's good. I mean, I'll say this, that's probably one of the best benefits of not being a head strength coach right now. You know, as I was a head strength coach at two places and essentially it was just me running those programs and so getting a chance to be an assistant and being around four other dudes that want the same things that you want but they do it differently or they have a different viewpoint or they're just as driven as you, like it's really made me a better coach. You know, and it's really made me a probably a better person overall, too, just, you know, working with these guys. And
0: that, that's the whole point, right? Like you, like, you can either be happy where you are, and a lot, a lot of people are happy where they're at, or you can continue to improve. And I really think that's just kind of how you and I are. We're just really never fucking satisfied with fucking anything.
1: Yeah. Well, and the part that I get happiness from is always trying to improve, right? Like, that's where you get the happiness is, like, realizing that there is no end goal. You know, like the end goal is to keep getting better or keep finding a way to be better, you know. So that's the exciting part about all of this and the field that we're in. And, you know, it's great talking to guys like you and just essentially starting out where you started out and where you're coming from now and where you're going. It's just really cool to see the evolution of your career. And, you know, it's closely related to things that I do. And so it's pretty great. I like talking to you, too. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, well, what else okay. do you want to go over on this thing?
0: Uh, let, let's do one more question, because so I'm sure you've got other shit you got to do at some point. I probably yeah, got to eat see. them, too, at some point, because I'm eating ungodly amounts. Dude, so I got sourdough bread added into my meal plan yesterday. Yeah. this That is the greatest thing of all time. Do you know how much rice I've been eating for, like, the last two, three years? Oh, Probably. Pounds. Oh my! Oh my
1: God, those Costco sacks of rice, dude. Yeah, I'm sure you're buying like a ten-pound bag of rice. Basically, you're buying a dog food bag of rice.
0: Yeah. So for for me to say like, hey, I'm supposed to eat bread now every day for who knows how long. It is single-handedly the greatest feeling of all time.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: <laughs> um. Awesome. Well, thank you. Um. I guess goal-wise, I, I know. I know we just said that always improving is kind of the goal, but like, do you have anything specific, like career-wise, or just for yourself, that you kind of have? Like, hey, I want
1: to accomplish this. What's yeah, next? Sure. What What's next for me is in the short term, getting through this bowl game. Um, not getting through it, but winning this bowl game.
0: You know, yeah.
1: that's the biggest part. Um, but for me, you know, my aspirations are, are, are large, you know, I want to be a division one head strength and conditioning coach for football, you know? Um, and I, I feel like from an X and an O standpoint or from a knowledge standpoint, I could do it right now. Um, however, you know, on paper, there are certain qualifications or criteria that head football coaches look for, um, that, you know. Maybe I don't meet, but I know that if uh, someone gave me a chance right now that I would do my absolute best and put my heart out on the table and give them a great product right now, you know, but in the meantime, you got to work while you wait. So what are more things that I can learn um, currently that's going to help me be a better head strength conditioning coach? How can I build relationships? How can I still make connections? Um, what information can I learn? What different training modalities can I try? So from a getting better standpoint, I'm always learning. I'm a lifelong learner trying to develop. Um, but eventually, you know, I want to be a head strength and conditioning coach. Um, so that might look differently with different career paths or the way that I go. Um, but eventually I'm, I'm going to enjoy getting the opportunity to run my own program and have my own influence on my own group of athletes and go from there.
0: Can't wait for the day that you get that fucking opportunity, man. It's it's going to happen sooner than
1: you think. I truly do. Absolutely. And, and like I said, in the meantime, I'm happy with uh, the program that I'm at and the position that I'm in. Um, and so, you know, I'm not running from a job. I'll run to a job when that opportunity comes. You know, when they're, when it's my chance, I'll, I'll run hard at that job and enjoy my time trying to uh, reach my goals. I love that. Yeah.
0: I love that a lot.
1: I wish I could give you a hug through this screen right now. You know, it's just good seeing <laughs> <scene>, you, bro. <laughs> you too, man. It's, we,
0: we got, we got to catch up at some point in person, man. It's, I, I know we're, I, I'm super sorry we didn't get to see you for, it was your sister's wedding, right?
1: Yeah. My sister got married in Montana this summer. Yeah. I was hoping to see you guys, but I know you guys had some family stuff come up.
0: Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's just the thing that's, I love I love Morgan Her family to death. There's just fucking a lot of them.
1: Yeah. That's <laughs> what you hey, that's what you committed into, bro. So yeah, um, yeah, you're right. You're right. It's part of it. But uh no, it's Thank been you great talking about it's great. And, uh, we need to get together in person soon. Um, but it's been this was fun. I had fun on this podcast and uh, you know, send me the link so I can share it and uh post it to people and you know, get your name out there a little bit more too.
0: Absolutely. Is what what's a good spot for let's like, like I know I know you post a lot of uh, educational stuff. I don't yeah. know if you got like your own YouTube for stuff like that or if you just got your Instagram, but like oh what's a good place to find all the Coach Roach goodness?
1: Yeah, so if you're looking to follow Coach Roach, I'm pretty much Roach Strength on all social media platforms. So I think I'm Roach.strength on Instagram, I'm Roach Strength on Twitter. Um, you know, LinkedIn, I am Davin Roach. Um, you know, if you're looking to reach out there, uh, so I think I got a Roach Strength Facebook page. So, you know, basically if you look up Roach Strength, you're going to find me. I got a YouTube channel too. It's Roach Strength on YouTube. The YouTube channel is literally basically just an exercise menu. Um, but I've put some educational things in there. I've put some other things in there too. So yeah, if you're looking to find, uh, Coach Roach, just, you know, look at Roach strength, and you know, find the short white guy, and uh you found him. You know,
0: Uh the white guy with the beard is uh, the long. He is yeah. Not
1: that with the gray beard. Yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, maybe one day I'll make you a mustache man too. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Oh <laughs> uh, well, shoot, dude. Um, yeah, this this was fun. I I hope to get you and Jeff on at the same time at some point. We can just bullshit about some other coaching shit because you're way smarter than my ass. So,
1: Yeah. Well, and let me know too, you know, I'll reach out to some people and if there's uh, some people that you're interested in interviewing that are, you know, in different fields or different schools or whatever, let me know. And I'll uh, see if they're interested. Absolutely
0: dude. Yeah. No, I'm again, it's just like the whole point of this whole thing is just have other of these smart coaches that really just don't have a platform to, Really talk about any any of their shit that they're obviously smart and know their shit. They just they have no place to talk about it. So yeah,
1: absolutely, I would love to. Well, I appreciate it, bro. You have a good day. You have a great day. Great talking to you. See you, Morgan.
0: Bye. <laughs> Bye. See you, brother.
1: See ya.